Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to come and talk to you again today about a subject that uh, I think is something we all need to hear, compromise, hell's malignancy. Before I start the sermon, I want to invite you to come to the First Baptist Church, the Southern Baptist Church in Holbrook tomorrow. I'll be preaching the 11 o'clock service. It's on the corner of First Avenue and, and Buffalo. And you would certainly be welcomed by the crowd. They're a very friendly crowd. And I'm going to be preaching on what in hell do you want? Well, compromise is hell's malignancy. Psalms 141.4, New King James Version says, Do not incline my heart to do evil things, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You know, one of the biggest tools Satan has is in his toolbox is compromise. He's got a toolbox full of tools like hurt feelings and gossip and and uh, all these, you know, temptations that come. But the biggest tool, I think, is compromise. An old Arab was sitting in his tent one night eating figs by candlelight from a bag that he'd brought with him. He'd pull a fig from the bag and hold it near the candle to examine it. And oops, that one had a worm. He threw it aside and grabbed another fig. That one had a worm too. He threw it aside and grabbed another. This happened several times. Each time he found a worm or a bug in the fig. The pile of discarded figs was growing in the corner of his tent. Finally, he solved the problem. He blew the candle out and sat there enjoying his figs in the dark. I think that's really kind of a picture of today's churches and today's Christians. Some of you are saying, oh, that isn't me because I wouldn't close my eyes to sin and let down on my convictions and standards for anything. Okay, then tell me, how's your prayer life today or, or your witness or, or what do you watch on TV? Are you careful that you don't let something come onto your television set that would compromise your convictions? What about your language? There's so many people who call themselves Christians but still take the Lord's in vain, name in vain by saying OMG or oh my God or something like that. You know, the Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And I think we should clean up our language as Christians and not leave any thought for somebody to think that we are uh, not serious about our, our commitment to God. Do you recognize sin like you used to? I talked or I listened to a friend of mine one time speak. His name was Milo Arnold, and this was years ago. He had been traveling on airplanes, going to conventions and things, and he lived in the Tri-Cities, Washington. He said that uh, he noticed that there sometimes was a little rabbit out near the airfield, and if the plane would come along, it would run away like mad because of the horrible noise. Uh, you know, at once he said that uh, the little rabbit now got used to the jet sounds and now sits there until the plane taxis by. 
I just got used, no longer felt the threats. We've gotten used to sin and are now so callous we don't even recognize the danger. Things that once we recognized as blatant sin are now being embraced by the church. To stand against sin has become politically incorrect. You know, it's easier to shut our eyes and pretend nothing's wrong while sin is being flaunted all around us. Pope Francis, for instance, softened the stand of the Catholic Church on homosexual lifestyles a couple of years ago, he announced, Who am I to judge a gay person of goodwill who seeks the Lord? You can't ma- marginalize these people. Pope Benedict XVI formally barred men from what the Vatican deemed as deep-seated homosexuality. From in- He did not let them enter the priesthood. I believe Pope Benedict was retired and exiled because he was too conservative in his views and modern Catholicism wanted to become a 21st century church. It's shocking to see the Catholic Church moving this way. Even more shocking to Protestant Christians is seeing the mainstream evangelical church institutions lowering their standards to accommodate the world. In 2013, the one-time very conservative International Fuller Theological Seminary recognized an LGBT club on campus. The L stands for lesbian, G for gay, B for bisexual, T for transgender, Q for queer, or questioning and comply with the world. Unfortunately, Fuller is just the tip of the iceberg. What they did was copied by other CCCU schools in California. And then the dominoes fell eastward. You know, once Christians and churches begin to compromise their convictions, there's no place to stop. It's like the story that I've told before, but it fits so well about the camel's nose. So let's go back to the desert and revisit our Arab in, the, in his tent. It was a very cold night, and the Arab had gone to bed in his tent. His camel came to the door and asked to be let in. It was uncommonly cold, and the camel was tired of standing outside the tent, freezing. He wanted to come inside and get warm with the Arab. The tent was very small, and there wasn't room for him, and the Arab told him he would just have to stay outside. But I'm so very cold, the camel said. Uh, Won't you let me put my nose inside the flap of your tent? That's all I will ask. Let me put my nose inside, get it warm, then I'll be happy. My nose is the coldest part of me. I must get it warm or I'll get dreadfully sick and not be able to carry you tomorrow. Well, by that time he was done talking, his nose was inside. Well, certainly thought there, there can't be much harm in that. His nose takes up so little space that I guess it won't be too crowded. And so he said nothing to the animal. But once his nose was safely and fully inside the tent, the camel wasn't satisfied and decided to go farther. This is great help, thank you. 
the camel said to his master, but it would be so much better if you'd only let me get my whole head inside. My nose feels better, but my head is pretty cold. It won't take up much room. I'll just push it through the tent flap. My ears and my eyes and my jowls are so cold, I can't stand it unless I can put my head inside the tent. Well, the Arab considered the camel had his whole head inside the master's tent, and, and he consented to let it stay. But after the head came the neck, and after the neck came the shoulders, and after the shoulders came the hump and the hindquarters and the tail, and before the poor Arab knew what was happening, the whole body of the greedy camel was inside the tiny tent. The tent was so small that the huge beast began to holler, You were right. There isn't room for both of us in here, so I think you'll have to get out. And out the Arab went into the cold because there wasn't enough room in the tent for him and his camel. He started by only letting the nose in, and before he knew what was going on, the whole animal was inside and he was out. You know, that's exactly the way evil and sin start in our lives. When we, when we compromise, when we let down in one area, there's really no place to stop. The Arab never intended for the whole camel to get into his tent, but he let the animal put his nose in, and before he knew what he had done, he found the whole beast was in and he was out. We never intend to let wrong and wickedness and evil into our lives, but sometimes we just let the nose come in, and before we know what's happening, the whole beast is inside. The fuller story is just a snapshot of the basic problems with the contemporary church and contemporary Christians. When you marry existential arrogance with postmodern subjectivity, you get Christians who are either deluded, deceived, or in complete denial, or, or a combination of the above. You get haughtiness rather than holiness. You get overbearing pride and arrogance rather than humility. Post-modern emergent theology rests more on the proposition, God is telling me, than it does on the proclamation, the Bible says. It becomes meism rather than seeking God to the conversation rather than uh, rather than seeking god to the conversation uh, then then the conviction to to dialogue rather than dogma it makes self the final authority rather than scripture this fuller story is one of the theological narcissism's excessive admiration of oneself sadly it demonstrates how christian scholars have lied to themselves for so long they can actually sanction the LGBTQ club and argue that it pleases God and his church. They say it shows a spirit of non-judgmental love that wants everybody to be comfortable. The church's job has never been or never will be to make people comfortable, but to make people holy. Romans chapter 1 verses 21 through 32 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God of, or even give him thanks. They, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. 
The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or, or birds and animals and snakes. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things God made, but not the Creator Himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men and as a result suffered within themselves the penalty they so richly deserved. When they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, insolent, proud and boastful. They are forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. They refuse to understand and break, they break their promises and are heartless and unforgiving. They are fully aware of God's death penalty for those who do these things and yet they go right ahead and do them anyway and worship yet they encourage others to do them too. Worse yet. Fuller's story is a story of being deceived rather than discerning God's truth. It's a story of tickling the intellect rather than striving for the mind of God. Paul wrote to Timothy about these days. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Preach the word of God. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage other people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. Boy, does that ever sound like today's church. The church that Jesus Christ loves is the one that hasn't lost its savor. It's the one that's redeeming culture rather than joining it. It's the one that's committed to being faithful to the Bible rather than compromising their convictions so that we'll fit better with society. Satan has a tool called compromise. It's his tool. In his toolbox, he wants to use it to dull and whittle away your relationship with God. Don't let him use it on you, your family or your church. You know what to do. You know what is right. Don't let down on your standards. This is no time to water down our message or compromise on our relationship with God. It's time to make sure you have repented and confessed your sins to Jesus Christ and asked him to be your Savior. 
It's time to shore up your convictions and get back to living like God wants you to live and stop trying to see how much you can sin and still claim to be a Christian. Let me warn you, the Bible says that God's not going to let sin into his holy heaven again. That's so it happened the first time, and hey, Satan and his angels had to be thrown out, and look at the damage they've caused. God is not going to let sin come in, and so I am urging you, confess your sins to Jesus Christ, live for him, do not compromise on convictions that God puts on your heart, and be in heaven for eternity, not lost in hell forever. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that today you'll speak to hearts out there and you'll help people to find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And to Christians, you'll help them to realize that they need to live by your standards and not compromise, not let down on their convictions, but be a witness to a world of how great God is and what a wonderful thing it is to have our sins forgiven and to live according to Jesus Christ's plan for our lives. I just pray today that you'll help people, Lord, that are listening to this to give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, you know how to get a hold of me. My email is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. I get such a volume of emails that I don't always catch if you write that way, but I will, you know, if I don't answer, then try again. But if you want to get in touch with me, it's Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, or you can call at 623-845-2741. And that would either be a call or a text. I'd like to hear from you if you need help, if you want me to pray with you or for you. That would be a privilege. And today I want to say God bless you. Remember, don't let down on your standards. There's no room for compromise in the Christian life if we're going to be victorious. God bless you. Thank mm-hmm. you.